This is a Founding Media podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Founders of Fashion. I'm your host, Jennifer Millsbaugh. I'm the CEO of Aesthetic Ventures and the Austin Fashion Initiative. On this podcast series, I take you inside emerging fashion businesses to explore entrepreneurship in practice. Today, we are in discussion with Otto, the founder of League of Rebels, a local menswear label and shop based here in Austin, Texas. What I love about what Otto has created is how polished his brand is right out of the gate, and he's doing an amazing job of not only filling a gap in the Austin market of menswear, but also because his brand is so polished, I believe building that market as well. Take a listen to hear for yourself about building the League of Rebels brand. I'm so excited today to welcome Otto, uh, the founder of League of Rebels, a local menswear label and shop based here in Austin, Texas. I'm a huge fan of your shop. Thank you. Uh, And I love the aesthetic and quality of the line that you produce. Um, And you're selling suits in Austin, which (laughs) is notoriously a casual city. Um, So we're here today to hear your story of, of how you came to launch League of Rebels and and uh, so let's start there. How, how did you launch League of Rebels and why launch Suits in Austin? Well, thank you very much for having me firstly. Um, launched League of Rebels because initially as a branding project, um, started out wearing obviously the same way I dress today, um, started out in school. And I studied international business, marketing, branding, international economics. But before I picked up marketing, um, I used to be strictly on the analytical side fell in love with marketing in uh, my last year of college and then decided to go after that degree and League of Rebels became my marketing project, marketing and branding project. In college? Yes. That's awesome. So I like, I love the name. How did you come up with the name? Um, so I'm a military brat. It can, basically, it's wrapped around my personal story, so it's more difficult to replicate, okay. uh, which I think is um, the best way to go. Well, and it's <laughs> always nice when things are connected to who you are. True, yeah. true. But being a military brat and then traveled a lot, uh, lived in different countries, and I wanted something militia sounding, firstly, and then to also extend that, I ended up in Ukraine for college and had a group of friends that we all had the same lifestyle, partied together, studied together, sort of a band of brothers. So, um, but from every single person was from a different country, had a different um, original language, um, but we all spoke Russian in common. We all did everything else in common. And I figured something that wrapped around being a band of brothers, regardless of where you're from, what you're doing, and just have the same lifestyle. That's amazing. So how did you end up in Austin? Um, Austin. I did college in Dallas while in the U.S. Okay. I heard of this place called Austin. Um, taught nothing of it, and uh, amazing. Well, <laughs> <did you> not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it took me about five years until I first got to um, come to Austin for an event. And the minute we got off Highway 35, um, we were blown away. So liked it from then on. Visited at least once a year. And about four years after that, um, we we're living in LA. Time to make a move. Time to build a brand. Figured, let's go to Austin. That's awesome. Okay, so go fill us in on kind of what your product line is and how you came to develop that. Um, So now we're in a much better place where it's spread across um, formal suiting and casual. Initially, we started as a strictly suiting company, but with growing the brand, coming face to face, we realized that we need more products. 
Um, so we've now extended to dress shirts, accessories, and then the casual stuff like t-shirts, polos, and pajamas. And pajamas, yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. So um, uh, what is it about your line that makes you unique? Um, just the level of work that we put into the product, product firstly, um, but also we'll go very minimal batch. So it's common to see small batch companies, uh, but the scale at which we carry, so we'll have the essential stuff that we'll always carry. Um, we've got a subline that would only, we'll only release five pieces per product and only five styles. We'll do that every other month. Once that sells out, regardless of how fast it sells out, it'll never come back. Um, so keep it on rotation. Um, care details, companies, um, sorry, companies that we'll source from and locations that we'll source from raw materials. Um, try to build a more unique, intricate story and um, small back product. That's amazing. So are you always kind of sourcing new product or are you kind of, you have your production facilities and, and, and suppliers, you kind of have those guys in mind and you keep going back. What does that look like? Um, we have the, what I call the primary suppliers. Those will always stay steady. Those are our most valuable relationships, but always um, searching for new ones yeah. and always adding to the lineup as we add more products. Because some of them are able to overlap to um, different type of products, but not all of them. And when we go into new product styles or just something completely different, we'll have to find and curate new possibilities. Awesome. Okay, so when you were going back and like kind of first launching, uh, how did you go about finding your initial suppliers and your initial, um, like developing your initial product? What was that experience like for you? Um, it was really cool. I've got an investigative mind and I guess it goes into my telly watching as well. The only shows I watch are all about um, investigators like Poirot or Meets My Murders, if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I figured out the easiest way, but um, to some degree also quite difficult to get that done. Uh, I looked for who I emulated the most as the number one brand that I wished to have product lifestyle, product style or product quality that mm -hmm. would match and be up to that level, so to say. For me, that was, uh, it's a British brand called Hackett's. Mm -hmm. um, they've got the royal emblem, they dress Prince Charles and the, um, the princes and all. Uh, but that has always been the number one brand in my vision. So I figured, okay, um, I'm going to go after them. So where do they manufacture? Um, what assembly lines, what production facilities, that's where I want to go. And so you just started digging in and, and asking around. And and that was the real hard work. Yes, it is, because people don't want to share that stuff usually. Yeah, so. nobody does. But I think that's so important, too, of that idea that you have another brand that you look to as kind of... Um, as inspiration for your own or like, like, okay, this is kind of the vision of where I see we could be going. Not in the sense that you're looking to match aesthetic or, um, or, you know, in any way copying that brand, but it's like, okay, I have a mentor essentially, whether, regardless of whether or not they know they're actually mentoring you, but you have somebody like, okay, you know, like that's benchmark, who I want, I a benchmark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I hear that a lot with like designers and stuff is like, okay, yeah, we always wanted to be like X company and you just kind of fill in the blank. Um, so what does your typical day look like now that you have? How long have you had your store? Um, the face brick and mortar store has been around since uh, 
summer of 2016. Initially started out in February as a pop-up shop for three months mm-hmm. before confer- um, converting into a permanent space. So just roughly about uh, two and a half years. So. Awesome. And now you've yeah. just expanded and your store is bigger. So yeah. you're growing and doing awesome things. Trying to. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and do you also have a direct-to-consumer uh, or are you mostly selling through the store? Um, mostly through the store. We also have the website. So yeah. you can only get our products um, through the brick-and-mortar store or our website. Or your website. Nowhere else. Yeah. Just yeah. through you guys. Um, and uh, yeah. So like what, what, what is your typical day? What does that look like? Um, ever changing. So typical day for me, basically, I think I pretty much work almost around the clock um, just because of the amount of work that I have to do. Um, so I leave on technically three time zones mm-hmm. um, through the night. I start my US mornings about eight, nine o'clock if I can get up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then by the time six o'clock reach, reaches, I'm um, slowing down at the store, but I'm also waking up at another time zone. And come 1 a.m., I'm waking up at another time zone. And I have to keep up with individuals in those time zones. So while I sleep, um, I'd have to roll over every about hour and a half, respond to an email or quick chat message, and then sleep back. And then keep, <laughs> and then and keep that going. going because I have to keep up with everybody else in their time zones. Some emails you just can't wait till the next day because if I wait till my morning, they sleep before I know it's two days between responding to one email. So right. Yeah. And then things just get backed up. Yeah. So, um, and so now, how has your life changed since you've launched your company other than the fact that you get sounds like zero sleep <laughs> so which is a recurring thing i think among all entrepreneurs yeah it's you've like got to pay your price yeah, it's, yeah. it's a price to pay um life has changed in that i think it's just a lot more busy and it gets me more to pay more attention on details on um, logistics on being as effective as possible um, not always the case um, just such is life but i pay definitely more attention with trying to be as functional and effective as possible as in the past where if I was just going to work from nine to five, all I have to do is wake up, get to the job on time, and at 5 p.m. It didn't matter what yeah. you got done. Now you're like, okay, I you have to get <laughs> as much things done as possible in Correct. the shortest amount of time. So, well, and, and, you know, for me, when, you know, in launching my company, there's, I, I'm always, I, I enjoy the joy of being surprised by things that I didn't think I would like. Um, and so that's something I always find really interesting. So what is it about, um, your company that surprised you that you didn't think that you would enjoy or, or, um, a lot of things, but in that aspect, I think what I've been through is realize or ask myself the question, what business am I in right now? Yeah. Um, so initially, and some of them I only realized when I was already in that business as I calculated. So came up with the brand, figured, yes, menswear brand. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's fashion, even though I like logistics more. Um, and then face-to-face, I realized now I'm in the retail business. It's not just branding or marketing. I have to figure out that business properly and how to run it. Um, the logistics business or the sourcing business when it came time to get the products and get the product to market. Um, I didn't realize I loved the logistics part as much as I do. Yeah. Uh, initially, just the analytics, the background work, I think that's my safe haven. I can stay and analyze all I want, do the research. You like that marketing data. Yeah, yeah. I love, love, love that part. Um, the logistics turned out to be very interesting for me, navigating customs, imports, um, what taxis and how to schedule items to come through the market. 
And then the retail part, I think it's a love-hate relationship for me <laughs> still <laughs> because I'm an introvert to a good okay. degree. Yeah. Um, but then I realized quickly once the day came to open up the pop-up shop, it's like I'm the only one here, so I've got to deal with every single person. And you have to be out there and you have to yeah. like put yourself out there. Yes. It's really about having presence. At least while at the store. Right. Outside the store, I and disappear. Yeah. 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 Um, but I love it a lot more than I expected to. Um, it's still a bit, there's still some work to it, so to say. Um, but just, you know, hanging out with people, talking with them, explaining the brand or the product to them and making friends out of that. Um, it's been more enjoyable than I expected. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Was, is it ever scary? I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he was like, hey, Jen, are, are you like ever afraid about, you know, what you're doing and the work that you're doing? And I'm like... I liken it back to like when I was, you know, doing my doctorate and stuff. And I was like, well, that I was really afraid then because it was like I had to get done and I had to like put myself out there. And and I was like, but it wasn't like a, a fear of I can't do it. And I was like, it kind of feels like that. Like, it's like, OK, I wake up every day like, oh, I have so much I have to do. And you almost feel like drowning in it. And then you like go forward. And so do you ever like that first day of that first that first opening to your doors, what was going through your mind? Um, so many things I don't even fully recall, but definitely so trying to, you know, wonder how do I get through this? What do I say to people once they work in? How do I address them? Um, do you say hello? How do you tell them about the product and approaching, you know, just retail in general? Mm -hmm. And then I find myself trying to recall instances of visiting other stores and trying to see what or recall what they did or how they responded. Right. Um, and just, you know, try to create a story from there. So Yeah, you find your formula. Yeah. And then you like plug and chug. Okay, take out what's unique about them and put in what's unique about me. Yeah, and, and find ways to make it easier. Yeah. Because still being an introvert, so, and that's how the bar came around too, because after you chat with people for a while and they more relaxed, like, can I pour you a drink? And if you're not drinking scotch, I think you'll just ease into the It makes it better for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure that was really fun, too, to go through your store and think about the different experiences you wanted people to have. Um, and so, like, walk us through. What will somebody experience once they open the door and walk um, in? Come in, definitely, you know, invite the person in and say hello, ask them a quick question if they've already, if they've been there before or not. Um, if they haven't, then give them a quick intro to the brand and try to make it as fast as possible so you don't, you know, run them mad or anything. Um, and then just let them freely dictate how they want it to proceed. And if there are individuals who say, thank you, I'll let you know if I've got any questions, let them run free. When they do have, they will call on you. Um, individuals who are interested in or have questions, they will help them too. Sit down, relax, offer water, Pepsi, whiskey, we're a Pepsi establishment, <laughs> which is weird, but I think it's an actual thing. Um, and then just make them feel as relaxed as possible. The longer one stays, uh, if they want to spend more time, we've got certain sections to cater to when they're ready to wear or made to measure. And we'll just try to make it as easy as possible. Awesome. Okay. Um, what has been your biggest challenge in starting your company? Biggest and growing challenge. it. Um, one of them would be the fear of scaling too fast. 
Um, that's for sure. I think there are many challenges and some just pop out, out to, pop from nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fear of scaling too fast, um, is it time? Is it not time? Um, should we take this additional risk? Because every day is a risk, basically. Right. Um, and then also controlling myself um, as fast, putting out stuff, which still plays into scaling. So personally, I see the brand as, you know, products I love, products I want to wear, products I want to enjoy. We're a smaller company, so we're always in production. And a challenge has been, if you time it wrongly, it can haunt you badly, so to say. Um, but putting products into production, when they come out of production, the cost to get them to market, the cost of production, mm-hmm. and knowing when to take a break, when to jump back in, yeah, or basically how to regulate that. Yeah. yeah, And it takes a while, I'd say, to build enough data to tell, okay, these are the key times or key moments to make those moves. Okay. And so, and I, I love that you brought up scaling and whether or not you scale too fast or, or not, because I think, um, I think that's a really important issue for companies and especially startups is especially as you start to develop notoriety and, um, people start to learn about your brand. It's almost like they're throwing so many opportunities at you that you're like, wait a minute, what is, what are we actually going to do? What are, what? do we actually want to do? Um, and so like to that end, what is your vision for the company that, that you want to be? Have you thought about what the long-term goal is or? Yeah, so much so, even though I call it um, an ever-changing type situation. So in general, I'll say we want Austin to be home. Austin is home. Um, the flagship's here. It would always be the major part of the brand. Um, with time, we'd want to expand into other markets and try to replicate as closely, but also playing with those unique markets because they will change. And, and the um, customer is different in yeah. each place. Yeah. So profile in many ways very um, vary, uh, but understanding markets deeply and then knowing when or how to break into those markets. But Austin home, um, probably Houston number two, we're looking at that right now. And then we'll pick on cities from there. And you'll go retailer retail shop by retail shop all owned all controlled by yeah. you yes yeah so it's a very it's a very closely tightly held brand so almost like you're establishing yourself as a legacy brand and building in that legacy as you go I hope so yeah which means less sleep uh, more, <laughs> more work and we'll keep talking on yeah so um and yeah. So what? So what is next? So you're talking about Houston. That's super exciting. Yeah. What are kind of some of the initial decision making factors for that that'll make you say, yeah, this is a go or no? Okay. So exciting and scary at the same time. Um, what I've seen with um, Houston, we get a good amount of customers that come up from there. Um, so we always keep track where customers coming from, how long are they shopping, what is the um, percentage of visitors from these cities. Um, we get the data for, say, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, mm-hmm. and then out of state. So you kind of now. are able to kind of do that. People come in, you ask them a few questions, and you know, and then when they leave, are you guys making notes or? I uh, know when they leave, yeah. when they buy. If, when they buy. Yeah, if you visit and don't yeah. buy, it doesn't go Then it doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. So we only, when we check out, because we'll ship a lot of stuff to individuals, or so just based off that conversation, we know where they're visiting from. And then we'll have that city marked down. Then we could just easily go pull a report by city and see what stacks up next after Austin. Um, so that's the initial take as to where's the potential second location. Um, 
pop-up shops have been a big thing. That's how we started in the market, did the pop-up in Austin, downtown Austin, mm-hmm. tested that for three months before we came full-time, and then did a pop-up shop in, at the domain Q4 last year. Um, it didn't work well, and after three months, I feel that's enough information to know if that's we should this go or not. where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And domain didn't check out, so we pulled back out and then expanded downtown because that was the bread and water of our market. Um, so Houston, however, for the first time, we're going to do a pop-up shop, um, but different location from the potential permanent location. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved too slowly. I've got so many things on my plate, so if one's not active or trying to get into that conversation, negotiate fast, make a decision and let's move, um, I just exit. And they didn't move too quickly, so we scratched it. And we'll go. We'll just go all in downtown because there's other data and research that I've been doing for quite some time that I think um, highlights that basically greens the project to right. move forward. Right. Well, and I love that there's so much. I'm such a research geek. That's what I like about you. <laughs> <laughs> is, is I love that. I love the way that you talk about going in and it's like, okay, we're going to gather data from here or we're able to make decisions about um, like, this is an opportunity, but if that doesn't work out, we're going to go and find a plan B and kind of figure out what that, you know, what the next opportunity looks like. So you're, you're constantly creating a funnel of ideas into the company that you can yeah. then filter and say, does this fit with who League of Rebels is or is it something that, no, we have to push that aside. It's, it's just either A, not the right time or B, you know, just not, it's just not right. You know, yeah. it doesn't fit with who we are. So, yeah, exactly so have there been any like major things, um, opportunities that sounded cool that you were, that came across uh, your doorstep that you were maybe initially excited about, but ultimately were like, no, I have to like, push this away this isn't who we are um not quite not yet maybe i just jump for everything maybe and find a way to right, make it work right but i wouldn't uh, i can't think of any i don't think so not quite yet but yeah so it'll might happen eventually <laughs> so. so um and uh what what inspires you hmm. good question what inspires me um i just the uh, the need and want to establish something that is independent of oneself yeah. and also to be able to build. I think my goals are quite simple, really. I've got a small family and want to establish um, something great for my family and just keep it right. So I'd say my family. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, okay. So before I ask my last question, um, where can people find you? Downtown Austin, 2nd Street District, um, 411 West 2nd Street, as well as our website, www.leagueofrebels.com. Awesome. And uh, one fun question we're asking our folks, what is one fashion life hack that you recommend or a fashion tip? Um, Fashion tip, what would be closest in my mind would be just establishing what your style or aesthetic is. Um, so for me, this all came about as a school uniform in the first place. And I've, I joke around if you catch me on any given day um, when my school uniform in the past was colors changed in fabrics. So I'd say find an identity and just stick to it. I don't have to think about too much. It's the same type of products I'll pick every day. Just pull a new one and keep going. So less time, way more functional and effective, but um, just figure it out. For me, it's school uniform. You are auto. <laughs> Singularly. 
Thank you for listening to our Founders of Fashion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to this channel and click the notification bell for new episode alerts. Founders of Fashion is produced by Mariah Gossett and myself. Audio and video production by Jake Wallace. And a huge thank you to the rest of the team at Founding Media who make this podcast possible. I'm your host, Jennifer Milspa. To learn more about my work at the intersection of fashion, internationalization, and entrepreneurship, visit aesthetic.ventures.